Pastor Ed Taylor says we have a God-given responsibility to our leaders. We get to take the fruit, not rotten fruit, but nice, juicy, luscious fruit, and we get to enjoy the fruit of the Spirit by selfless, sacrificial pastors, leaders, deacons, deaconesses, and you have a church filled with them. And God's continuing to do that among us. So we're to remember, and we're to obey, and we're to greet, and not forget those that God has put in our lives because they're his gifts to us. They're his gifts. It's how we grow in grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Hello again, and welcome to Abounding Grace. You might find your place in Hebrews 13, as we'll join Pastor Ed Taylor there in just a second. God calls some to leadership positions, and we can either be a help or a hindrance to them. In today's study, Pastor Ed will address how we are to treat our spiritual leaders. There are three things that jump off the page in this chapter, and the first has to do with remembering our leaders. I think of when I was putting this together, and I've been in communication with Pastor Rudy this week, but I served many, many years in California with a man by the name of Pastor Rudy. He was the Sunday school or the children's ministry pastor. I served with him, and he spent the most amount of time pouring into my life. And I've been texting him this week. Even today, I said, you know what, Pastor Rudy? Your name's going to come up in the Bible study this weekend because I love this text. I always remember you and Pastor Jeff. Others are remembered as well, but those are the first two men that God placed in my life to speak the word of God to a young man that knew nothing about following God. Nothing. I knew nothing. I knew less than nothing. If there was a negative nothing, like they sometimes the weather app shows, neg- I don't know the difference between zero and negative zero, but I was negative zero. I, I was below nothing. I, I was far away in my life. And every day I was living apart from Christ, I was getting farther and farther away. So from the pulpit, Pastor Jeff gave me the word, and then side by side serving with him, Pastor Rudy would then disciple me and help me along the way and have quite a few of those quote-unquote defining reality conversations with me. I needed them because I wanted them. Now, maybe it rubbed against my flesh. I didn't really like them at the moment, but I really to this day still want to be a better man of God. I want to do it better, and I want to do it in a way that is more conducive to the heart of Jesus. If there's an area in my flesh that needs to go away, I want to get rid of it in my life, and I'm thankful for them, because in the busyness of life, in the busyness of life, we have a tendency to forget our spiritual leaders. We forget them. How? Well, we forget to encourage them. We forget to strengthen them. We forget to pray for them. We forget to support them. We forget to serve with them. 
You know, when, in those times, not when you're sick, not when it's dangerous, but in those times when you're just kind of tired and, you know, you made a service commitment and now you have the choice. Maybe I'll call out because I'm kind of tired. Maybe I can see. When you call out like that, not, not when you're sick, not, not when it's dangerous to drive and you want to be saved. I'm not talking about those real reasons, but like when you have the option and you can make the decision and when you call out, let's just say you call out like you call out at work, you call out. Your spiritual leader still has to accomplish what you said you were going to do. Like the ministry goes on. Uh, like Sunday school teacher, if, like if you call out for Sunday school, you call out the resurrection coffee, you call out like, like serving out there, um, greeting people and encouraging one another, helping people, like the stuff still needs to get done. And so we forget that we made a commitment. And that happens. We forget that we made a commitment. And we want to remember that not only is the commitment unto the Lord, but that commitment is also to the spiritual leader that God put in our lives. And we want to remember that. We don't want to forget. Contextually in chapter chapter 13, this could also speak to remembering those leaders that have come before us, that those that have died, those that have been martyred or even taken out by the enemy. As I think of hear, you know, the years of ministry I have and seeing some of the guys that have fallen away over the years within our little Calvary Chapel family. It's who I'm associated with. And, and I don't want to forget to pray for them. Marriages destroyed, kids going sideways. You know, yeah, uh, I think of one brother in particular that's been on my heart for the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I think of him like, yeah, yeah, he, he did commit adultery. Yeah, he failed miserably. Yeah, he hurt a lot of people in his church. But I still want to remember him. I want to bring him before the Lord. I want God to restore what the enemies try to steal from him. It's not an approval of sin, and it's not, but I want to remember him because even before he fell, God used his teaching in a big way in my life. He was on Grace FM for a while, and God used him. I don't want to forget him because he's not prominent anymore. He's not serving the Lord anymore. I also think there's a direct reference to the leaders who helped the Jewish Christians come to faith. They did so at much personal peril. So don't forget them. Remember them. Remember their testimony. Remember their faith. Remember their true teachings. Don't forget their influence on your life. Number two, number two, our spiritual leaders, according to verse 17, our spiritual leaders are to be obeyed. We're to obey our spiritual leaders. When their teachings match the Bible, whether you agree with them or not, they're to be obeyed. Another way of thinking this is that we're to follow the leader. We're to follow the leader. We're to consider the behavior and follow them in Christ. Jot it down, Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. It says, Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk, as you have us a pattern. For many walk of whom I've told you often, And now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. So there are examples to follow and there are examples to avoid. Mark them, he says. Mark them. There are those that are not behaving according to Christ-likeness. You and I are not to participate in that. We're not to get involved in that. And we are definitely not to follow them in that. But when when a spiritual leader gives you direction that matches the scriptures, we're to obey them. That's our obligation. And Jesus has provided for us so many examples. 
Throughout the Bible, portraits of men and women who have gone before us. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me. And even to some of you that are seeking like to serve in greater capacities and you want to be used of God, you may even feel the burden of spiritual leadership upon your shoulders that God is leading. Then listen, be the example that someone will follow. Be the example. Make the, make the conscious decisions to be a good example because I'll tell you this, you are an example already. The only thing to be determined is whether you're a good example or a bad example. But your life is an example. And it's important that we pay attention to that. Why? Because the Bible tells us that man looks on the outward, but God looks at the heart. And that's such a comforting verse. You know, oh, yeah, God always, God knows my heart. God knows, I don't know your heart. All I see is you on the outside. I don't know your heart, but I do know this. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And your life will then reflect what's on the inside over time. It may not come out immediately, but over time, truth always wins. You know that. Over time, truth always wins. Truth doesn't get tired. Truth doesn't hide. Truth doesn't run away. Truth is truth where you, whether you believe it or not. And over time, the Bible says, Jesus says, don't worry, man. Over time, things will be shouted. All the things of your life, all the hidden things of your life, all the hidden things that you don't know right now will be shouted from the rooftops. Be patient and live a life reflective of the example of Christ and the men that God has placed in your life. Paul says, join me and follow my example. You want to follow a man like that? You want to follow a pastor like that? You want to follow a man, a pastor that says, join me in following my example. You forget the past and you look forward, pressing onward and upward. Take no confidence in your flesh. Walk humbly with your God and note those who walk the same way. Surround yourself with men and women who love Jesus supremely and provide an example to follow. Why? Because many walk as enemies of the cross. Many walk as enemies of the cross, Paul says in Philippians. You want to surround yourself with men and women of faith. You don't want to find yourself in a group of people griping, complaining, moaning about your church or about leadership in your church. The Bible says you're to obey the leaders. You don't want to be surrounded with people that don't want to obey leadership. Again, by way of review, I'm not speaking of blind loyalty or following. I'm not speaking of approval of sin at all. Never in, any, in a million years does God ever, for all eternity, tell us to approve of sin or follow a bad example. However, I've been around long enough to know that when little groups start to get around and they start complaining and, oh, you know, Pastor Ed or, you know, Pastor so-and-so, and they start, evil corrupt company corrupts good habits. Here's how you handle something like that. How you handle that is, number one, you mark them. You just make a little mark in the back of your mind. Hmm. A murmur and a complainer. Now, whether that's the, the lifestyle they have or not, we don't know yet, but we'll just mark that. And number two, not only do you mark them, but number two, you tell them to handle their complaint biblically. You go, Ed, well, how do you do that? The Bible says that if your brother's offended you, sinned against you, go to him, you and him alone, and if he hears the matter, you have what? Won your brother. See, the Bible doesn't give us permission to complain about things. The Bible gives us the admonitions. The Bible says, do all things without murmuring and complaining. Anyone want to amen that? 
Yeah. Okay. We all marked it. We all know now you said amen. No, the Bible never gives us permission to murmur and complain, but rather God does give us permission to reconcile, to forgive, and to work things out. And you'd be amazed what God can do with a church that's filled with unity and joy. You just got to watch out because, man, you'd be going along, running the race, and then someone comes up and starts to draw you away from your sweet relationship with Jesus. And that's always disastrous. It always ends with less fruit from your life and more flesh in my life. Always. There are false teachers and they're all false leaders and they're, they're false in every way. They're, like Paul said, they're enemies of the cross. Don't follow them. Don't mimic them. Don't imitate them. They're headed in the wrong direction of the cross of Christ. There will be people that float through this church as well that are headed in the wrong direction. Now, they are welcome to repent and they're welcome to hear the word of God and get right with the Lord, but they're not welcome to hurt you. They're not welcome. That's why God's put shepherds under shepherds in the church to help us and protect us. They're not there. We don't allow people to be taken advantage of in our church. We don't allow, if you come and you, we've, we determine, like it's very obvious, you're an enemy of the cross, then we're going to call you to repentance at the cross. And if you don't want to repent, then the Bible says that we're to confront you. And if you don't listen, we're to take a couple witnesses. You don't listen to us, we'll take it to the church leadership. If you don't listen to all of them, then we ask you to leave. Says you can't fellowship here. Now, sometimes a real strong word is used to describe that. You are excommunicated. Let me give you a stronger word than that. The Bible says when the church in Corinth had this issue, Paul said, deliver them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. How about that? You don't like excommunication? Okay, we'll change the word. We'll deliver you over to Satan so that your flesh will be destroyed. You can't hide in the church. And one way that we find ourselves in a safe place is when we obey our leaders, when we submit to them. Obedience is lived out through submission. Your leaders need your submission. There's no question that in our service, we serve Jesus. He's our shepherd. He's our pastor. He's our leader. I know that over the years, some people have used that truth to justify their lack of submission and leadership because they've been taken advantage of and hurt, and I'm sorry for that. But you can't just come to the conclusion where, you know, I don't agree with that decision. I serve God and not you. That's not possible to serve God and not serve the leader that God's put in your life. That's not possible. You can't divide those two. Wherever there is godly leadership, listen, wherever there is godly leadership, that is to be matched by our godly submission. Wherever there's godly leadership, it's to be matched by our godly submission. And where there's ungodly leadership, then we're to follow through with what the Bible has to say all the way to perhaps the leaders of that, the elders of that church. And that leader needs to be brought to a place of repentance if what is said is true. And the Bible speaks to that as well. What happens when you get, and I get all independent, and I no longer, and I think of this in my own relationship with, with my pastor, if I chose to do my own thing, that's just going to cause confusion, it's going to cause division, and it's going to cause chaos in a church. And when confusion, division, and chaos is in a church, the devil, as one person said, loves to fish in troubled waters, loves to destroy lives. The Bible teaches us that God has ordained spiritual leadership in his church. There's a clear chain of command in the ministry. 
In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, it says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. So it is presupposed that most spiritual leaders are going to rule well. They're going to lead well. They're going to serve well. There's going to be an atmosphere of love and of grace and of mercy. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders, and you also be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility, because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And it's important not to lose sight that in our service, we are co-laboring together for the work of the kingdom. Yes, I have a position of leadership in this church, but I was a believer first and foremost. I'm a fellow believer on the same journey as you are. And if another way of thinking about this text is that we're all under authority. All of us are. And when we speak of authority, we have to remember that God desires our submission to authority. Now, I know that some of you have feelings on this subject because in previous authority structures, you've witnessed and experienced. It's been horrible. There's been abuse. There's been pain. Listen, where there is abuse and pain, submission to God always takes precedent. You are no, under no obligation to submit to abuse, especially in the body of Christ. In no obligation whatsoever. But as I mentioned, where there is godly leadership, that's to be met with godly submission. That's so important, church. When there's godly leadership, there's also to be godly submission. Otherwise, there'll be disorder, confusion, and chaos. Now, thirdly, in verse 24, we've already learned where to remember our leaders, where to obey them. And now in verse 24, I should say, in Hebrews 13, we're to greet them. He says, greet all those who rule over you and all the saints and those from Italy greet you. This is a simple reminder, I believe, to seek out to encourage and strengthen your leaders. Today, we might put it this way. Hey, don't forget, text your leaders. Don't forget, write them a note. Don't forget, get them a gift card. Let your love for your leaders be practical. Say hello to them. Pray for them. When you see them, ask them how they're doing. Tell them that you're praying for them. With technology, this is so much easier these days to use technology and the ability to really encourage those in our lives. Like, like I had mentioned this week, I, I must have texted Pastor Rudy four times this week, which is unusual. It's usually once every few weeks the Lord will put them on my heart, but four times. And who knows, maybe one day I'll, have, I'll be able to talk to him and he'll say, well, this week, this is what was happening. This was, but I, I just learned over the years to obey the prompting that God gives me to encourage and to strengthen, especially with those that are pastors, assistant pastors, their wives. Uh, I really want to be an encouragement, even more so as we see the day approaching, because perilous times have come upon us. And it is harder than ever before to serve as a leader in God's church. Uh, it is more challenging than ever before. And it is not, again, something that we want to take for granted. The men the pastors that God has put in our life, the, the women leaders that God has put in our life, we don't want to forget them. We want to remember them. We want to obey them. And we want to talk to them. We want to say hello to them. We want to greet them. Don't forget. Remember, obey, and greet. Why? Because spiritual leaders are God's gift to you and your family. God has given you a pastor and of pastor's family. And in our case, speaking for this church, there are 13 of us that God has given to you and their families and their kids. 
The Bible says in Ephesians that God has given the church pastors and teachers. That's not even, that's just uh, uh, in a technical sense, those that are on staff here. There are dozens upon dozens of lay leaders, men and women, that serve selflessly in this church. They are God's gift to you. They are God's gift to me. God has ordained them to be in my life, to help me, to lead me, to speak the truth to me. And the spiritual leaders and the pastors and teachers and those that serve here, both those that take a salary from here, but also those that work a full-time job and serve their hearts out here in the life of this church, they do so at much great personal sacrifice. Now, what that means is they're not asking for anything from you. I'm not asking, if I'm up all night, 24 hours, I'm not asking anything from you because my service is unto the Lord. This is what he's called me to do. I like to say this is what I've been put on the planet for. This is why I was born. This is why I was born again. So it's not like those that might want to take advantage of me. You know, again, if a leader goes, well, you know, I've done this for you. What are you going to do for me? That's a bad leader. So it's not that I'm, I'm pleading with you right now. They go, oh, man, you got to know what kind of, I just want you to know. They're not asking, we're not asking for anything from you. The Bible says that my greatest position in life will be to serve you and to serve well and to grow in my ministry and to grow in what God wants me to do. But they do so. You need to know, and it's good to be reminded that the pastors and the wives and the children and the lay leaders and even those that are serving and just stepping into ministry do so at great sacrifice as unto the Lord. But you know what happens when we serve with people with great sacrifice? You know what happens? We get to benefit from the fruit of their lives. We get to take the fruit, not rotten fruit, but nice, juicy, luscious fruit, and we get to enjoy the fruit of the Spirit by selfless, sacrificial pastors, leaders, deacons, deaconesses, and you have a church filled with them, and God's continuing to do that among us. So we're to remember, and we're to obey, and we're to greet, and not forget those that God has put in our lives because they're his gifts to us. They're his gifts. It's how we grow in grace. And I thank God, and I ask you to join me, to thank God for the leaders he's placed in my life. I'm grateful for them. And I'm grateful that they have been encouraging to me. I'm grateful that they have been exhortive to me. I'm grateful that they've said the easy things, and I'm grateful they've said the hard things, because I know I wouldn't be the man I am today or whatever God may have for me in the future without the leaders and the pastors that he's placed in my life. Can you agree with that in your life? I pray that you can, over time, agree as you see looking back. You might even look back at a very difficult season, and it might be that it's a difficult season, and it also might be associated with a pastor here or there. And I pray that one day you'll be able to look back with that situation and go, wow, even if it was the worst of the worst, God still taught me something through that particular situation. And I'm a better man or I'm a better woman because of God allowing things into my life. And I'm submitted to him because that's where it starts. I'm submitted to him. I'm learning to follow him. And when you know the shepherd's voice, when you know the shepherd's voice, you'll be able to tell when an under shepherd sounds like Jesus. (laughs) Sounds like the word of God. And one of the first things you should look for in your leaders, that they have the word of God. And that they use it, all of it, the easy parts and the hard parts, but that they would be men of integrity, men of the truth, and men of God's word. Amen. 
Well, there you have it. We're to remember, obey, and greet our spiritual leaders. What a good and needed reminder from the book of Hebrews. And this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. To hear it again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com, or you can hear Pastor Ed through our app. Simply search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts. Maybe you've noticed the enemy is constantly trying to fill your mind with destructive thoughts. It could be fear, worry, insecurity, anxiety, or temptation. But you can win this battle of your mind, and author Louis Giglio explains how in his book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or you can order it through our e-store at calvaryco.store calvaryco.store. It's your generous gift that allows us to provide Bible teaching on stations like this one all across the country. It's not the size of your contribution that matters. Large or small, it's making a difference by God's abounding grace. You can donate to the ministry at aboundinggraceradio.com or again, call 877-30-GRACE. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we go and grow through a study in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 